It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is On the Tee with Anita Marks. It is On the Tee with Pat O'Keefe. It's brought to you by Galloping Hill Golf Course. A couple of tournaments going on right now, wrapping up today. Uh, on what here in the the New York City metropolitan area, wishful thinking is shaping up to be a beautiful Sunday. But as I look out the window, that's not the case so far. Uh, Seems like there's a lot of humidity and an overcast feel outside, which, well, this summer, what else is new? Because that's been the story of the summer weather-wise, which I I can't imagine has done wonders uh, for local golf courses around the area. But that does mean that we're, uh, we're due for a turnaround in that area. A couple of big tournaments going on on the men's side, on the women's side. For the men, the PGA Tour this week stops at the John Deere Classic in Silvis, Illinois at TPC Deere Run. And they will get set to begin the final round. The leaders teeing off today at 145. And for the women, it is the U.S. Women's Open Championship. And it's at Pebble Beach, which is a rarity for women's golf. Uh, It's a big deal that the golf tournament is is there this year because so often women's golf women's championship golf and men's championship golf the golf courses uh, are set up differently uh, because of the style of play between the men and the women so it's rare that uh, women's major championship is uh, contested at a course that generally hosts men's championship golf but hopefully this is um not necessarily the start, but more of a sign of things to come as women's golf continues to grow. Uh, we'll start by talking about the John Deere Classic. Your third-round leader is Brendan Todd. He is 16 under par after yesterday shooting a bogey-free third round. A 37-year-old who played for the University of Georgia. A three-time winner on the tour, but it's been a while. So it's a big day for Brendan Todd as he seeks his first PGA Tour victory since 2019 hasn't happened since before the COVID pandemic he's been consistent this week a 66 a 65 and then yesterday a five under par 66 and again Todd will tee off today at 145 he'll play with Alex Smalley who shot a blistering 62 yesterday and it is a jam-packed leaderboard in fact as we enter the final round we have 14 golfers within four strokes of the lead. And a lot of the names on the top of the leaderboard aren't names with a long history of winning on the PGA Tour. So there's a golden opportunity here at the John Deere Classic for someone to pick up a big victory here this afternoon. One of those names, and probably the biggest name in that jumble of names near the top of the leaderboard, is Cameron Young. And you've heard me speak about Cameron on this show a lot. He's a local product. He's from Westchester County. He graduated from Fordham Prep. His father, David Young, is the pro, the longtime pro at Sleepy Hollow Country Club in Westchester County. Now, Young was the second-round leader. He was at 13 under par after round two, but yesterday came back to the pack and dropped back a little bit. He shot a par 71 yesterday, and he begins round four in an eight-way tie for sixth place. He is three strokes off the lead. Now, overall, 
it's been an interesting season for Young. He's now 26 years old um, out of Scarborough, New York, in Westchester County. Played his college golf at Wake Forest. He hasn't had a great year. And, and if you think back to this time last year, in fact, on this program last year, I had his father, David, uh, I think it was about a week after Cameron finished runner-up at the Open Championship, sole possession of second place at the old course at St. Andrews last year. Uh, he seemed to be, in fact, I shouldn't say he seemed to be. Last year, he was one of the breakout young stars on the PGA Tour. But he, for the most part, hasn't been able to carry a lot of that momentum into this year. He's still very relatively inexperienced on the tour, even though he found himself in a bunch of big-time spots last year. But this year, this calendar year, in fact, 2023, only one top 10 finish. But anybody who follows golf week in and week out, especially during the majors, knows that Cameron Young is always, or at least always seems to be in the mix in the majors. So one top 10 finish this calendar year, but it was a tie for seventh place at the Masters. So if you're going to have one top 10 finish, that's a good one to have. But after that, since the Masters in April, he's really struggled. His next tournament, he tied for 51st at the Heritage, and then a tie for 59th at Wells Fargo, and then he missed the cut at the PGA Championship at Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester, shooting nine over par through his first two rounds, and then the following week, he missed the cut at the Memorial. Then he came back, tied for 57th at the Canadian Open, and then a decent finish at the U.S. Open, where he was tied for 32nd place at the U.S. Open at Los Angeles Country Club. So, with all of his success in majors and being in the mix and being on the leaderboard, Cameron Young is actually someone who is still looking for his first career PGA Tour win. So does that come this weekend? Does that come today? Does he have a big final round in him? Again, he was the second round leader. He shot even par yesterday and dropped from first into an eight-way tie for sixth place. So there's a lot of competition. He's I would say the most accomplished golfer at or near the top of this leaderboard. So we'll see. E either way, it appears that Cameron Young, two weeks out from the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool Golf Club, uh, where, again, at the Open Championship, he was the runner-up last year to another Cameron, Cameron Smith. It appears that he's getting on track, and it appears that he's at least right now on pace for his second top 10 finish of the season. But think about what Cameron Young did last year. I mean, this was an incredible year, and he has to be one of the most accomplished players on tour to actually have not won a PGA Tour event yet, and he hasn't been on tour that long. Kind of burst onto the scene last year. Last year, seven top 10 finishes, and it gets better than that. He was the runner-up, or he was tied for the runner-up five different times last year, and I mentioned his performance in the majors. He tied for third at the PGA Championship in Southern Hills. He finished in second place at the Open Championship at the Old Course. And he shot a final round 65 that day, including, if you remember this, he shot an Eagle 2, an Eagle 2 on a par 4, on the 18th hole to really put the pressure on the eventual winner, Cam Smith. And that solidified his standing as the sole possession of second place last year. But again, this calendar year, not as good for Cameron Young. This calendar year, 14 starts, four top 20 finishes, and none of them have come since the Masters. So we'll see if he can get back on track this weekend, today, 
So far, he's back on track. We'll see if he can finish the job today. He's one of those guys who you see his name on the leaderboard, especially in the majors when everybody's watching. You know, for a while, it was guys like Jason Day, um, who always seemed to be in the mix, um, always seemed to be on the leaderboard in the big events, but took him a while to get his first victory. You assumed that he was always going to be in the mix, and then ultimately Jason Day won his major championship victory. You know, lately it's been guys like Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley, Will Zalatoris, Victor Hovland, and Cameron Young is one of those guys. For a while it was Cam Smith, and now Cam Smith goes into a different category as a major champion after winning last year the Open Championship in 2022. So Cameron Young, this is a big day for him. Tied for sixth, eight-way tie for sixth place, so it's very crowded. Um, can he get his first PGA Tour victory? Another interesting thing about the John Deere. If you look at the leaderboard, there are not a lot of big names. In fact, there's only one multiple-time major winner in action today, and that's Zach Johnson. And he's well back. He's tied for 39th. He made the cut on the number. Had a pretty decent day yesterday. But Zach Johnson is at 8 under par, tied for 39th. He's the only two-time major winner on the leaderboard today. He won the 2007 Masters, and he won the 2015 Open Championship, also at the old course, where it was played last year. But you have a bunch of one-time major winners, and that's a very, 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 very long list. It puts you in prestigious company in the history of the game of golf. It changes your life forever. And the list of players who have won one major, it's an interesting list. It's an eclectic group. There are a couple of names on that list that are among the best players or most popular players in golf history, like Freddie Couples. Freddie Couples won the Masters in 1992, and that was his only major championship. Now, Freddie Couples still, he could shoot 68 on the first round on Thursday at Augusta with his eyes closed and find himself on the leaderboard even at his age. But he's a one-time major winner. The leaderboard here at the John Deere includes four one-time major winners. And in a coincidence, they've all won majors in the New York, New Jersey area. You have Lucas Glover, who's also tied for six. So he's at minus 13, just like Cameron Young. And Glover won the 2009 U.S. Open at Bethpage Black. You have Jason Duffner, who's tied for 23rd. He's at 10 under par. And he won the 2013 PGA Championship at Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester. Not exactly the New York metropolitan area, I know, but New York State indeed. And then you have Jimmy Walker, who's tied for 32nd place. And he's at 9 under par. He won the 2016 PGA Championship at Baltusrol in New Jersey. And then you have Jeff Ogilvie. And you haven't heard that name a lot. You got to go back to when he won his one and only major. It was the 2006 U.S. Open at Wingfoot, and a lot of people don't even remember that Jeff Ogilvie won that because what the 2006 U.S. Open at Wingfoot is best known for is Phil Mickelson imploding on the 18th tee and sending his tee shot into the merchandise tent when he had the U.S. Open in his grasp and threw it away with two hands. Well, when Mickelson didn't win it, someone had to win it, and Jeff Ogilvie was there to collect the trophy. And he's in a tie for 50th right now, at six under par. So that's where we stand with the John Deere Classic. Also going on, the U.S. Women's Open Championship at Pebble Beach. 
We'll talk about that and update you on that. And a send-off for a couple of the game's all-time greats as we continue. It's On the Tee with Pat O'Keefe here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is On the Tee with Anita Marks. Well, I just spoke about five minutes uh, about him, Cameron Young, the local product, three shots back at the John Deere Classic uh, in an eight-way tie for sixth place. But the most accomplished uh, golfer in recent years on the leaderboard. So we're going to go with Cameron Young right now. It's excellent value entering the final round of the John Deere Classic. You can get him at plus 1,400. So I definitely think worth taking a flyer on. Uh, Denny McCarthy, and these odds according to Caesars, Denny McCarthy and Brendan Todd. Todd is the leader. They're both at plus 360. You can get Adam Shank and Alex Smalley at plus five. Uh, Adam Shank actually at plus 500. Alex Smalley at plus 550. And then a huge jump to Cameron Young at plus 1400. Yes, I know he's in a tie for sixth and tied with seven other golfers. But if he can get hot, he has played extremely well on final days of majors, and he's within striking distance of his first-ever PGA Tour victory. So I'm going to go with Cameron Young at plus 1,400, and that's Pat's pick, brought to you by Ryan Reynolds Aviation Gym, a smoother, more refined gym. Aviation Gym and Diego Spirits remind you to drink responsibly. So where does everybody stand right now as we get ready for the final round of the John Deere Classic. Let's give you the leaderboard update. It is presented by Glenn Fittich. Well, as I mentioned, the third round leader and uh, sole possession of first place right now is Brendan Todd. He's at 16 under par. 
And then you have a three-way tie for second place with Denny McCarthy, Adam Shank, and Alex Smalley. All three of them are 15 under par. One shot off the lead. Smalley shot the blistering 62 yesterday to rock it up towards the top of the leaderboard, matching the 62 that Jonas Blixt shot in round one on Thursday as the tournament began. Blixt came back to the pack in round two, but had a strong round three, and he's in that pack uh, tied for sixth place with Cameron Young, with Lucas Glover, and others that are three shots off the lead. So the leaders, Brendan Todd and his playing partner today, Alex Smalley, they tee off at 145 this afternoon, and that's the leaderboard update brought to you by Glenfiddich Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, the world's most awarded single malt scotch whiskey. Skillfully crafted, enjoy responsibly Glenfiddich Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, ABV 40% alcohol by volume, 2023 imported by William Grant & Sons, New York, New York. So on this Sunday morning, Pat O'Keefe with you. It is on the tee. Here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Also going on and finishing up today, the women's third major of the year, the U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach, the famed course in California. Nasa Hatoka of Japan is at seven under par, and she's the third-round leader, and she shot a six under par in the third round yesterday to move to the top of the leaderboard. Right now, uh, Allison Corpus of the United States is one shot back. She is in second place. The defending champ is Minji Lee of Australia. She's in a tie for ninth place at one over par. Now, Hatoka is looking for her first major championship. She finished in the top 10 in a major two times last year, and she'll tee off along with Allison Corpus at 420 Eastern time this afternoon. Uh, out at Pebble Beach Golf Course. Now, it's interesting. As I mentioned earlier, there I shouldn't even say there's not a lot of history of women's championship golf on this course. There's virtually no recorded history of women's championship golf on this course. And it is a big step that they're playing this tournament at Pebble Beach. Uh, it's a big development that they're playing this tournament at Pebble Beach here this week. Um, case in point, the world number one, Jin Young Ko, and the number three player in the world, Lydia Ko, to prepare for this championship, they watched highlights of the men's 2019 U.S. Open just to try to learn the course because the way the course is set up during the rest of the year is not how it's set up this week. So they can go out and play the course, but it's uh, more result, excuse me, more resort-type golf than they're playing this year. Obviously, this is championship golf. This is a major championship, so the rough is different. The course setup is different. So the best way to find that out, these best players in the world – Watch clips on YouTube. In fact, others watched YouTube clips of Tiger Woods' historic 15-stroke victory back in 2000. But it's great for women's golf to have this at this venue and hopefully the continuation of more women's major championship events being held on the same courses that host the men's major championships. Now, a couple of the all-time greats are hanging it up, at least from the U.S. Open, after this tournament. One for sure. And that's Michelle Wee West, or as golf fans probably remember her from two decades ago, more than two decades ago, improbably, as she burst onto the scene as a 10-year-old, Michelle Wee. Uh, she retired from pro golf after her second round on Friday, and what a way to go out. She didn't make the cut, but on her final hole of her professional career, the 18th hole at Pebble Beach, she holed out a 30-foot par putt, and that officially put an end to her career. Her husband was there. 
He's her caddy. He's also the son of NBA Hall of Famer, Basketball Hall of Famer Jerry West, Michelle Wee West. But we knew her as Michelle Wee when she, in the year 2000, at the age of 10, first appeared on the public scene when she played the Public Links Tournament at 10 years old. If you think about it now, like in 2000, um, and I'm sure it resonated a lot for people then, but now with for me, the benefit of 23 more years of experience, 44 years old now, the idea of somebody who's 10 years old, I mean, I have an 11-year-old daughter, I have a 9-year-old son, the idea of somebody who is 10 years old playing in a professional golf tournament, I don't think I could think of something more unfathomable than that. But that's what she did. And that was just the start of just an incredible, I mean, she was a prodigy. You know, that word is thrown around a lot. She was an absolute prodigy. Two years after that, she was the youngest player to qualify for an LPGA event. She was 12 years old. When she was 13, she won the public links, becoming the youngest woman or man to win a USGA event. And then in 2004, when she was 14 years old, she played in a men's event. She played in the Sony Open. She was given a sponsor exemption, and she played well. She shot a 68, and she missed making the cut by one stroke at 14 years of age in a men's event. She ultimately played in six PGA men's events. She finally turned pro in 2005 when she was 15 years old. She won the 2014 U.S. Women's Open at Pinehurst. Now, did the ultimate results of her career end up matching the hype? They didn't. You know, she was a prodigy. She won her major championship in 2014. She had a very, very long career in golf. But when you look at the career of Michelle Wee, you have to take into consideration her legacy as a trailblazer because that's who she was, and that's, that's what she was, ultimately. Uh, she won't go down as the winningest player in golf history. Um, she won't even go down as one of the winningest players in women's golf history. But she will always go down as one of the most important players in women's golf history because of the doors that she opened. Not just the opportunities for women to play, but young girls to play. But once she came onto the tour, she was such a sensation that the sponsor uh, ships that she was able to incur really opened avenues for women's golfers and generations of women's golfers after her. So Michelle Wee West officially retired from pro golf at this U.S. Women's Open this week at Pebble Beach. Not a bad place to go out. Also, Annika Sorenstam, and she is one of the winningest players in the LPGA history. She's 52 years old now, uh, and this was also likely her final U.S. Women's Open. Just just to give you a little bio of Annika, I mean, she she won 72 times on the LPGA Tour, 17 times on the Ladies European Tour. She won 10 LPGA major championships. And get this, from 2001 through 2005, you talk about dominance, and, you know, we've all lived through the era of Tiger Woods. She was doing that on the women's tour at the same time Tiger Woods was doing it on the PGA Tour. From 2001 through 2005, Annika Sorenstam won eight majors in that four-year span. Overall, 10 LPGA major championships. She won the Chevron Championship three times, the Women's PGA Championship three times, the U.S. Women's Open three times, and then she also won the Women's British Open. So Michelle Wee West officially retired from golf 
Annika Sorenstam, at 52 years of age, likely has played in her final U.S. Women's Open. Uh, two of the most important figures in the history of women's golf uh, going out on a high note this week at Pebble Beach Golf Course in California. All right, we have lots to talk about. We're two weeks out from the Open Championship, uh, the final major of this year. We've got Ryder Cup rosters to talk about. And to help me break it all down, our usual guest on this Sunday morning, John Mascari, the director of golf at Alpine Country Club. He'll join me next. It's On the Tee with Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is On the Tee with Anita Marks. Until the top of the hour, we're talking all things golf. And most, if not all, Sunday mornings right here on this program, you can hear our golf expert, John Muscari, the director of golf at Alpine Country Club in nearby northern New Jersey. And John joins me now. John, how are you doing today? Good morning, Pat. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Always great to have you on and hear your insights. Um, no majors to talk about this week, but there's one not far away, the Open Championship, the final major in two weeks. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, first, I want to get your thoughts on the uh, PGA Tour stop this week, the John Deere Classic in Silvis, mm -hmm. Illinois. Uh, as I was detailing earlier in the show, it is a very crowded leaderboard. Uh, you have Brendan Todd on top at 16 under par after a bogey-free third round yesterday. But as we begin this final round, you have 14 golfers within four strokes of the lead. So how do you see this final day of the John Deere shaping up? 
Man, I mean, call your heart doctor. Get your cardiologist here. This is going to be some finish today. It feels like everyone is within three or four shots of the lead. Uh, it's a very interesting leaderboard. And, and the great thing about this tournament is the finish of this golf course at, uh, at TPC or Deer Run. You've got the 14th hole, which is like a drivable par four. So you're going to see guys get aggressive there. A very pedestrian par, uh, par three 16th. And you can get home in two on 17th. So a lot of drama in the last few holes, which will set up for a nice afternoon finish. Um, listen, this tournament was pretty much Cam Young's after 36 holes. Um, and then he kind of got it going sideways. Uh, if you watched, he, he started out with a couple of good birdies on six and seven and then got a case of the duck hooks and smother hooked one off the tee and then uh, was able to make birdie out of it, but then hit one left again into a bunker on 18 and, and chunked it like you and I would into the sand about 40 yards from the sand into the water, pardon me, and ended up making double bogey. So he was right there. Um, hopefully he can kind of put that behind him and get a good night's rest, but I'm sure that was a disappointing round for him. But like you said, it looks like a, uh, a four-horse race at the top. Yeah, Cam Young now three shots back. He's in that eight-way tie for sixth place. I spoke a lot about him at the beginning. We focus on him a lot. He's obviously a local golfer from Westchester County and went to Fordham Prep. You know, in looking at his career, and uh, and you also mentioned the drivable par four 14th hole. I mean, that right away reminds me of what he did on the 18th at the old course last year in the Open Championship when he made that uh, two-shot birdie uh, to really put the pressure on Cam Smith. But he's had a lot of success. He's had a lot of high-profile success in the majors um, in the last two years, but he hasn't actually won an event on the PGA Tour. So, you know, is that something that, that can hang over a golfer at this point, despite all the success, the top five finishes, the top two finishes? Is it difficult until you actually get one? Oh, for sure. I mean, these guys are not coming out and, and playing for second place. So he he wants the W. He wants that monkey off his back real quick. Um, obviously, you mentioned his success at the at the Open Championship, which is coming up. Um, I'm sure he's looking forward to that. But there's another thing probably in the back of his head, and that's going to be the Ryder Cup, where he's kind of on that cusp of maybe being a captain's pick, maybe being on the outside looking in. So. As you mentioned, his success has been a little bit of a roller coaster. His rounds have been a little bit of a roller coaster. So I hope he writes the ship today. For me, I think he's better chasing than being in the lead. Right? He could be a little more aggressive. He's got the length. And Deer Run is not a very long golf course, so it, it, it does give him a little bit of advantage being a long player. But, man, he's got he's to figure it out off the tee and get it in the fairway. It could be a tough golf course from the rough. Talking with John Miscarry, the director of golf at Alpine Country Club. Final round of the John Deere Classic uh, underway today in Silvis, Illinois. The leaders tee off at 145. Brendan Todd and Alex Smalley, who shot a 62 yesterday, are in the final group. And, John, we're two weeks out, less than two weeks out from the start of the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool. And, and you look at some of the early odds and on Caesars, the names that you would expect to be at the top are Rory McIlroy is 7-1, Scotty Scheffler is 8-1, to one, John Rahm is 9-1. to one, And they seem to be the top three uh, on top of the odds lists for every major championship. Uh, final major of the year, um, what, are you, what are you most looking at looking uh, ahead to the Open Championship in two weeks? Well, it's, I'm looking forward to the golf course, first of all. I mean, historic 
beyond belief. I think this is will be the 13th time they've hosted the Open in their history, which is amazing. I always love this event because it's, you know, the, the time difference, getting up early and watching the Open. Me too. It's kind of almost fall there. Guys are wearing sweaters and the wind's blowing and, you know, you see these putts from off the green and creative shots by the players. That's the part about the Open Championship that I love. It's my favorite major. You rattled off a bunch of great names. Obviously, these guys are the, the thoroughbreds coming into the field. Rory, Scotty Scheffler is having one of the greatest years we've seen on tour. John Rahm, obviously, seems like, you know, death taxes and John Rahm being a favorite going into a major. Um, but for me, I'm looking a little bit down the list a little. I love how Colin Morikawa has been playing. And Anita kind of asked me this a few weeks ago, and I teased it. He's going out, I think, 22-1 to 1 as of right now. And I think he's getting hot at the right time. We saw him finish behind Ricky Fowler at the Travelers in the playoff, really because he hit his approach shot about a yard long. Otherwise, he would have been right next to the pin, and that opened the door for Ricky. But I love – that's my, my kind of – my long shot air quotes here pick. It's tough for me not to love Scotty Schuffer. I mean, <laughs> despite not winning since the players, Schuffer's results have been incredible this year. In eight tournaments, he's finished no worse than tied for 11th. <laughs> you want to talk about cashing a check every week, right? And a big check. He's got three third places, came runner-up at the PGA, which we know. I think his next win is just around the corner. I think he'd love to be it at the Open. Um, it would really cement his season as one of the best ever and make him the clear-cut number one player in the world. Uh, he loves Lynx golf, and I think he'll be a force of Liverpool if he can get the putter to work. Come on, Scotty. <laughs> yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. Get that T putter going, man. I mean, T to green, he is unbelievable. And the consistency that he shows that you illustrated is is remarkable. Yeah, Morikawa right now, 22 to 1. The defending champ, Cam Smith, is uh, 16 to 1. Brooks Kepka is 15 to 1. But, John, this is interesting. And uh, I want to ask you about this next guy. After the top three of Rory, Scotty, and Rom, the uh, next name on the list of odds is Ricky Fowler at 14 to one. And he almost won the U S open. He, he won the rocket mortgage. Um, what do you make of Ricky's turnaround these last couple of weeks? Confidence, right? It's amazing how a few good rounds just kind of, it starts to snowball. And for him, it, he couldn't get out of his own way as we know for a long period of time. And he kind of he went back to Butch and fixed his swing a little bit and started playing well. And, you know, he didn't have that round that was, whoa, Ricky shot, what? And he's in contention until just before the U.S. Open. And then continued that through the Open. Big win, as he's mentioned, at the Travelers. He's the hot guy right now. And a lot of people are just throwing some money on him. I think that's why the odds are so low, to be honest, Pat. I don't think his play in the tournament – dictates a 14 to one odd, but people are like, you know what? Let me throw 10 bucks on Ricky for the hell of it. And uh, I, it'll be fun to watch. I think he's in the mix for the Ryder cup now as well, which is great. Uh, I, I don't think I would put him in the same league as the other guys you mentioned though. Oh, you mentioned the Ryder cup a couple times. So let's get to that end of September, early October, September 29th through October 1st in Rome, just outside of Rome at Marco Simone golf and country club. Uh, Zach Johnson, the U.S. captain this year. Luke Donald will be the captain for the European team. So six Ryder uh, Cup captains picks again, which seemed to work out very well for the Americans as they won it last time. So right now we have Scheffler and we have Wyndham Clark and we have Brooks Kepka, Shoffley, Cantlay, and Max Homa 
and and they're they're in, correct? Correct. All right. As of now. As of now. Exactly. <laughs> right. yes. So so those are the six that have those spots right now. So so that would leave Johnson with six captains picks. So give give me a couple t- to you that should be obvious, and then a couple of dark horses that we could expect or maybe uh, ho- possibly see. Yeah. Listen, there's still about six weeks to go. We got a major. We got the FedEx events. So there there's, could be a lot of shuffling in this, as you mentioned, Scotty. Wyndham Clark, Kepka, Shoffley. I'd put Patrick Cantley in that lock it up mode. Max Holmes a little bit. If you ask me, he's not been playing well, but he might change and secure a spot. You know, he, he's a rookie, but he did go four zero in the Presidents Cup last year. Um, yeah, those spots. I think Ricky gets a spot, even though he's twelfth on the list. Um, I think that's a lock. I think Keegan Bradley is also a lock as well. He's seventh. So that leaves, let's say, four more. Um, I gotta think you. You start with Jordan Spieth. Even though he hasn't won this year, he's been pretty solid. 21st on the tour in strokes gain. Total five top six finishes in the last five months. Nice little run at the Masters, if you remember. 5-0 and at the President's Cup last year. He's been a staple on the Ryder Cup team for almost a decade, right? And then if you're going to put Spieth on, I think you've got to put JT on also, right? It's like uh, freaking frack those two. They're, they're a team. They're partners. Um and then it gets a little interesting. I mean, who would think Tony Finau, I think, is 18th on the list? I mean, he could make the team as a captain's pick. But there's a lot of guys in that middle, you know, just kind of treading water. Next week it might be flipped around a little bit. So as we get closer, I wouldn't want to be Zach Johnson making that last pick. You've got DJ. You've got Tony Finau. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those guys, to be honest. I think it's such a strong team. But with a good chunk of the season left, quite a few points up for grabs, there was going to be some – Movement on that points list. Captain Johnson will have some more clarity as we uh, take the season home and then to Rome. I like that. You look at the recent history of this event. Well, recent, the last quarter century. And, you know, one of the most famous shots in in golf history was Justin Leonard, 1999, a congressional to give the Americans that come from behind win. But then after that, Europe ran off a stretch winning six out of seven Ryder Cups from – 2002 through 2014 but now the u.s has bounced back and they've won two of the last three the last one was actually both of their wins were in pretty dominant fashion so what if anything have they done differently in these last two or three Ryder cups yeah if you remember you know the the knock on the u.s team was always it's a bunch of individuals the european players are a tight-knit team you know they travel together they're on the, the European tour together playing in all the events. They're like a family, and it's more about pride for them versus the Americans were just, I'm happy to be on the team, this and that. Um, that narrative has changed, I think, with the personnel, right? As we saw people like Tiger get more involved from a captaincy and coaching perspective, people like JT, people like Jordan Spieth who have taken over this role of being like the cheerleaders, um, you know, before you had DeChambeau and, and Dustin Johnson and a new era of American golfers that was too powerful and too strong to deal with. And they've gotten better with match play. They've gotten better with how they make the pairings. Um, we've, we've kind of taken the thunder now from the European tour. Don't get me wrong. There are still some great European tour players, but the American side has got so many strong hitters on it that, like like I said before, Zach Johnson could 
pretty much close his eyes and point to someone on the list for that second, you know, that last pick and did be talented enough to compete. It's um, we're at a point now where the American team is so strong. Yeah, I mean, with names like Spieth and JT and, and DJ that aren't locks yet, that illustrates that right. point. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach is going on this week. That wraps up today. Uh, really, a couple of the biggest names in the history of women's golf, uh, one definitely and one likely playing their final U.S. Women's Open, Michelle Wee West, John. And, you know, golf fans of the last five or ten years might not know a lot about her. If you research her, there's not a, you know, there's not an overwhelming level of success in terms of wins on the LPGA Tour. But if, if you look back on the totality of her career from when she burst onto the scene at 10 years old and what she has meant to the game of golf as she retires here this week at Pebble Beach, how would you describe her impact? Yeah, I thought about that this morning uh, heading into work, Pat, and she is truly a giant of women's golf, and I would say golf in general, both metaphorically and physically, okay? She's very tall, as you know, and she has a presence around her. You know when she's around, and I, I met with her a few times, most recently while I was the starter at the Mizuho Open at Liberty National, which is an event which she helped create to bring the top junior players, the girls, onto the PGA Tour to kind of fit in with the ladies and play rounds with the girls on the tour and get that experience. And looking at that whole situation, that kind of sums up who she is and what her legacy is. And, you know, she has inspired a generation of budding golfers and for generations to come, like she is the person that these golfers look up to. And you mentioned, you know, she, her tournament record isn't as good as maybe we would have thought when she just broke on the scene. She dealt with a lot of injuries. Uh, I remember the 2014 U.S. Women's Open, which she won. That was her only major. But she has been the face of women's golf for a long time. And it's only fitting that she, you know, she kind of calls it quits at, uh, at Pebble, at the Women's Open. But a, a giant for, for women's golf, uh, encouraging girls to play, giving them the fire to be the best they can, be competitive. And I think she's kind of seen that, getting emotional, seeing all these young girls who essentially grew up idolizing her now taking the reins of the, of the LPGA Tour and taking it to new places. And, John, also likely the final U.S. Women's Open for another player who was the face of women's golf, Annika Sorenstam. And when Tiger Woods yeah. was at his absolute best, Annika Sorenstam was winning at the same rate on the women's tour. And at 52 mm -hmm. years old, she is moving on to the next phase of her career and her life as well. Yeah. Uh, Mount Rushmore of golf might have Annika on it, male and female. I mean, you, you mentioned she – I don't think she gets the credit she really deserves because she was doing it when Tiger was so dominant. But if you look at her record, um, she's the most accomplished female player ever. 72 wins on tour, 10 majors. She won 82 international matches. She was number one in the world for 263 weeks. Um, she was the only LPGA player to shoot 59 in a tournament. Uh, she played on the Solheim Cup team, which is the equivalent of the Ryder Cup team for the ladies, eight times, uh, a dominant force for two decades. I mean, you you couldn't think of women's golf without her being the first name you came up with. Um, and, and she also was a pioneer. If you remember, she she played on the PGA Tour. 
in 2003. She was the first to do it since uh, Babes of Harris in 1945. She played the Colonial at Fort Worth. She shot one over par in the first round and missed the cut by four. But she's playing from the men's tees with the men's players in the men's event. And I think that just being there and showing that she could hang with the guys was an inspiration to a lot. It put ladies golf in the spotlight more. And people started to think, hey, these these girls are pretty good. Really good, actually. <laughs> Let's pay a little bit more attention to them and what they're doing. And, you know, that's, again, you have two giants of, of the industry and of the, of the golf world with Annika and uh, Michelle, both for different reasons. You know, Annika, obviously, as more of a champion with her record, but both played a huge role in getting the game to where it was to where it is now. And both moving on this week, two giants of the sport indeed. John, great stuff as always. Always appreciate your insight. Have a great Sunday. Okay, Pat, thanks. Everybody have fun. See ya. Always great to be joined by John Miscarry, the director of golf at Alpine Country Club in New Jersey. It's Pat O'Keefe in for Anita Marks on the tee on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is On the Tee with Anita Marks.